Welcome to Midnight Conversations. I'm Anadanambi Karaja. And I'm Stephen Banos. Oof, still got it, Stephen. Hell still yeah. Even I'm after the hiatus, we're all on, on it. Hiatus. I hate that word. Well, it's, it's a nice word that says an absence of a period of time from <laughs> what we usually do, which is this podcast. Mm-hmm. Listeners at home, if you've missed us, sorry, but we're back. And, we are. Well, and we hope you're spirit. happy to have us back. Uh, was that too oh, early of a segue? Back into, <laughs> straight into the paper? Oh. If you haven't guessed today, we're talking about happiness. The signs of happiness, I guess, would be the name of this podcast. Yeah, um, you're going to have to go easy on the puns, Anadin. It's well, been too long. Yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to wean myself back into this. Yeah, I know. I've got to slow down. Mm-hmm. But Stephen Banos, how are you going? Yeah, well, I went over to Malaysia. Yeah, you did. Saw some things, did some things. That's right. Where'd you go? I went to Ireland and Italy. Uh, Saw yeah. some things, did some things. It was yeah. good. Yeah. For listeners, I... Um, I think that Anadin's Irish accent has uh, gotten stronger. Yeah, so Stephen said that to me before. So uh, I, d- I don't know how true that is. But I mean, hopefully, I don't know if that changes the easeability of listening yeah. or uh, hopefully entertainment goes up with accents. Mm-hmm. If all you can hear is, oh, send us an email, let us know, and yeah. we can redo the... Uh, totally. <laughs> it, uh, flashbacks to my holiday right there. It's, uh, <laughs> it was perfect. I was, I was telling Stephen, Stephen Banas, uh, he mm-hmm. is sitting across from me, if you don't know him, and he <laughs> is well known for his preparedness. So, you know, oh, Stephen geez. and I, we get here on the dot, 5.30 p.m. We're here. We're ready, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. uh, Stephen tells me, hey, hey, you know, I, I got some milk tea. I'm, I, I got some food. Do you mind if I eat? I'm like, Stephen, go ahead. You've had a big day. You know, I've had a big day, but you've got a big day. Let's just relax. I set up everything, all the equipment, the wonderful sound that you're hearing right now. That's set up by me. Stephen eats his food. And then I said, all right, Stephen, ready to go? He says, oh, look, look, do you mind if I just like read through the paper? Keeping in mind, Stephen Vanos is the one who sent me this paper. So, Stephen, how do you answer your crimes right here today with your lack of preparedness, your just overall disregard for the podcast? Still, um, your head's just like out of it. I don't know what's going on. As you were saying that, I realized I told one of my colleagues as I was leaving that I had read the paper. That was just a blatant lie. <laughs> <laughs> I've just lied. I've lied to myself. I've lied to you. Yeah, to yeah. I, I feel like uh, this episode should should really just be uh, you answering for this crime. But you know, in yeah. saying that, I, I do want to derail this podcast for a little bit, if that's okay. I know it's our first podcast mm-hmm. back, and you know things aren't running as smoothly. We're not getting straight into the paper, and we've we've had some complaints about that, um, namely from your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, one thing I do want to talk about is something I found pretty cool. Today we're going to be talking about happiness. And what made me happy was learning something today. So that's my segue into this fact. So what I, at Journal Club that I have at, uh, at my work uh, every day, uh, well, once a week, we talk about something interesting that we found. And I, I went in, and because right now I'm marking a whole bunch of papers for students who are finishing up their semester, I was interested into what are some of the biases that teachers have when they're marking things, marking papers? What are some, you know, and there's some obvious ones where, you know, if you know the student, then sometimes that can introduce bias. So then there's blinded markingness and all, all that sort of stuff that occurs. Uh, one thing that's interesting that I was taught in my master's degree when I was doing teaching was that uh, your knowledge of a student can definitely influence the outcome of how you teach. And I wanted to know if that influenced how you mark. But I was, I was interested in, this, like, where was this study? Could I find this study? And I, I found it. It's actually called the Rosenthal-Jacobson study. And what they did was this. They got uh, students in a California elementary 
elementary school and they were given a disguised IQ test at the beginning of the study. These scores, they weren't disclosed to the teachers. Teachers were then told, hey, look, some of your students, about like 20%, could be expected to be intellectual bloomers that year, doing better than expected in comparison to their classmates, right? So they did this thing at the start of the year. The bloomers' names were, ta- were made known to the teachers. So the teacher's like, all right, cool. You know, Stephen Vanos, he is not a bloomer, but there's, you know, this other person, Anadin, he's a bloomer. Yeah, excellent. Got, got them on note. And then at the end of the study, all students were again tested with the same IQ test. And what they found was that those that were identified as intellectual bloomers were, of course, doing better than those that weren't. Um, but the kicker for this study is that the ones who were identified as intellectual bloomers to the teachers were randomly identified didn't actually matter what their IQ score was. Mm. So this was like a study that was massively drilled in within my teaching degree to say, look, your expectations that you have of your students matter. If you think they'll do well, they'll do well. And if you have this preconceived bias that, you know, maybe they're not as good as you think, then you may pay less attention to them. You may give up on them quicker, all this sort of stuff. Mm. I looked up, tried and find this study. I found out this study didn't survive replication. Oh, which wow, means okay. that uh, other people tried to do it and they couldn't. And the reason for this was a few things. One is the IQ test that was done was uh, not standardized. So it was like just the results didn't make sense from the IQ okay. test. And also what some of the effects that were found for some of the IQ tests that did make sense were thought to be due to a phenomenon known as regression to the mean. So what that means is that if you do well in something, then the next time you do it, usually you're not going to do as well. So let me give you an example. If you have a sports team, Golden State Warriors are um, a basketball team, which I saw were making news headlines today Mm. because they uh, have lost two games in a row. And that's like the first time in a decade that they've lost two games in a row. And they're like, they're always in championships and all all that sort of stuff. But statistically, this phenomenon makes sense Mm -hmm. because if you do really well, the next time you're unlikely to do as well. It's just it's just the nature of things. And this this occurs for for a whole bunch of things. You can apply it to, you know, exams. If you do the same exam twice, uh, you're, the second time you do it, if you perform really well the first time, the second time you don't perform as well. And that's what they pin this down to. And I, I just thought it was really cool because something that is still taught currently in education, university education, mm. is just a lie. And it makes sense because some of the best stories are just lies. So, um, Okay, a couple uh, of questions. Did you, <laughs> <yeah>. did, <laughs> did you sit down and try to pinpoint all of the students that you have that would potentially be bloomers? Uh, it w- w- within my marking within was, your marking, yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay. no I, I just, okay. I just, I was just looking up like what are some biases that teachers have, and that was right. I just pictured you with like a little like card <laughs> with the face of each student, just smiley yeah, face, picking them out, face. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't happen. Secondly, yeah. do you think attractiveness is a, is a factor? Because I'm pretty sure that's how I got through uni. Just like, oh, there's that good-looking young man, Stephen. Let's give him some marks. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, given your preparedness for today, and <laughs> as that being a reflection of probably your quality of student, I'm just going to humor you and say, yes, Stephen, that probably was a factor. Yeah, yeah. well done. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> you did, you did. I did intend that as a joke, and you took it quite sternly for yeah, a moment no. there, which flattered me quite a lot. So thank you, Adrian. No, it, I'm always there for you. But in saying that, uh, we are here today. Stephen picked a wonderful paper that he didn't read, which is <laughs> the science of happiness. Uh, and before we get into this, Stephen, who do we have to thank? Oh, 
We haven't done it yet. Yeah, no, we haven't. <laughs> the Australian National Centre for the Public Awareness of Science, Boom. CPAS, they have uh, provided all the equipment for mm-hmm. us and the space here as well. Yeah, they um, didn't provide the person to set it up, uh, which is meant to be us, and it's meant to be a team uh, effort. But I really, th- I really yeah. thought that, uh, <laughs> that would happen. No. Yeah, next that. time. All right, I'll stop with the passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so what makes me happy? When Anadin is kind to me, when yeah. he's respectful, oh, okay. when he doesn't bully me for I'm, 15 minutes. I don't think bullying <laughs> to be stating facts. I mean, you're underprepared. I'm just stating facts. Anyways, moving on, it's done. So today we're talking about happiness of the very wealthy. This study that uh, Stephen sent through uh, was interesting because it looks at a hundred. It, well, it it looked at a certain amount of very wealthy individuals, and it looked at the uh, they had controls who were from the same geographic region, and they tried to see. They developed questionnaires and tried to look at the happiness of both groups. And before we get into what the result was, there's a few things to note from this paper that I thought was interesting. One is this paper was published in 1984. And one of the things that's sort of striking in it is how cool it is to see research that was done pre-internet. Mm, Did yeah. You, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like this paper, w- 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 the way they did it was like, you know, they sent out surveys and they waited for them to come back and you know i mean that's still done today but really the the whole way in which they went about everything was very sort of prehistoric yeah it's pretty cool yeah i mean it's only 30 40 years you know and and you can see what the difference is in how science has progressed so so rapidly like i think a study Mm. like this could have been done very quickly and on a larger scale and that's probably one of the criticisms for the study is the fact that the sample size uh, for the wealthy respondents is relatively low it's 49 Um, and the ones who probably responded to a questionnaire may have been more happy to respond you know mm. it could have biased the results or and and that applies to both the respondents who are wealthy and the control group who didn't earn as much money but were in the same geographic location and mm. um, but Stephen, yeah with your minimal reading of this paper <laughs> <laughs> do you remember what the takeaway uh message was or what the takeaway result was i do and the reason i remember the takeaway is because i originally found this paper because i was trying to fashion an argument to a loved one that mm you know, money doesn't necessarily make you happy. Oh, so I was like, no I'm going to try and find a paper that supports <laughs> this argument. And uh, I was um, not, you know, not, what's the not, word? Not supported by <laughs> not science. Not supported by, by science <laughs> here. Yeah. So, yeah, the the takeaway is that, in fact, the, uh, the wealthy group were um, quite significantly found to be happier mm. than, the, than the not so wealthy. That's right. I mean, the they, try, they try to make yeah. the argument that, look, they're... Uh, they are happier, but it's not as massively happy as we mm. thought it would be. And those that are um, not as wealthy still have some of them were still just as happy. But overall, yes, even spot on. Yeah. Like, those that are happy. Does, does that uh, do these results conform with your preconceptions? I mean, it was interesting. I mean, my preconceptions about happiness and money, I, I sort of had the conception which they criticized in their paper, which was my minimal understanding of it was mm. that people who uh, happiness is based within income based upon a certain milestone or a certain amount of money. So once you earn a certain threshold, then after that, earning more money doesn't really matter once your mm, needs are met. And that, that yeah. that's sort of a classic view that I'd heard before. And these people in this paper say, actually, 
well, look, we found that people who were super rich were actually super happy. So maybe that mm. threshold isn't existent or that threshold is super high. Because yeah. I heard it was like 70,000 per year was enough. And, and, and this is saying the opposite. Yeah. So. Well, that's right. And it's, it, they do say that in this paper, like you just become kind of accustomed to the amount of money that you have. Mm-hmm. So there is, yeah, you, you can be extremely rich, but, um, you know, that the material goods that you gain through that wealth makes you know better off than you know when you were earning a hundred thousand dollars less so that's it um i guess the factors that were really important were like self-esteem self-actualization um so i mean being in a society that really values money and then having all that money gains you that that esteem that's right um and they do that they did actually measure um, against or measure their happiness against Maslow's needs. Yeah, point? they did. They right? did. Yeah, um, cool. Do you want to explain Maslow's needs to the audience? Yeah, it's it's that um, that pyramid of uh, what is it? Self satisfaction, happiness. Yeah. Is it is it happiness? Yeah, it's, it's, I think self actualization. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so like, self actualization is at the top of the pyramid. This is what you hope to gain, and that's like enlightenment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's when you realize yourself. Um, and then I don't actually. The know basics the, is the fundamental. So it's like things yeah. that you really need. It says uh, uh, physiological. So food, water, warmth. And then above that, then it becomes safety and security. If you can imagine a pyramid, I'm going up each step. And then after that, it's mm. belongingness, needing to belong with uh, and feel love with, you know, relationships and then esteem. Um, and then that, then it goes to the self actualization being the last one. So they did try to map it against it. And it, it's interesting because any study that looks at happiness is going to be criticized because uh, measuring happiness is extremely difficult. Like what, mm. what is happiness? Happiness to you is yeah. different to me, is different to different contexts and different people. Um, one thing I thought was questionable in this study is also the uh, age ages of the people were interesting. Like uh, I think the ones who were super rich were older and mm. the ones who weren't as rich were younger. Which makes um, sense. We, we, yeah, it, definitely. But I mean, if wealth accrues over time. But what's interesting to me there is also it doesn't really account for the fact that age may be a factor. Mm. Maybe older people are happier yeah. than younger people. Yeah. You know, they're more content with themselves. They're you know less anxious uh, because. But you know, it could be generalizations, but it could be um, an effect there that wasn't really investigated. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Also, just I mean, the concept of happiness to me is you know it's it's not a great one. Um, to, <laughs> happiness in general. Well, in in the way that they're kind of trying to measure it here, because mm. you know it's it's an emotion that you can kind of attribute to yourself subjectively, and it, it it's fleeting. You know, no one's happy for the entire day, no. let alone a year, a, a lifetime. But isn't right. that the premise of like a lot of Buddhist teachings is that mm. like feelings come and go. And so happiness, like an emotion, is not something like I think they it's thought that you're meant to achieve eternal happiness. But really, mm. the end goal is is this feeling of 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 I don't know. It's not nothingness, but it's this ambivalence type feeling. Um, yeah, I may be or, completely or, misquoting a whole uh, ethos of way yeah. of thinking. But but I thought yeah. happiness wasn't actually the goal of Buddhism. It's, it's that, that idea that you're trying to. Yeah, min- minimize um, the want or desire for that need of happiness. So uh, I, I, I guess that's mm. that's a good question, I guess, to put to you is that do you feel like the goal in life is to try to get to that happiness state more often than an angry or negative state? No, not really. Mm. I feel like a pain and anguish is kind of like it's going to happen. You're going to feel that at that's some it. point. Um, so maybe the the goal is to try to 
manage your circumstances so that when you are in that like really tumultuous period in your life or you know multiple tumultuous periods yeah. in your life you're able to manage those better mm. um and and move through move through pain quicker i guess yeah it's true i mean uh, it's one of those things that's very hard to do right especially it's easier to say when someone's going through a hard time oh you know mm. like try to do things to get through it but really we do the things that are good for us usually when we feel better like when we're when we're in a good state of mind it's easier to like exercise and do things but when things are harder it's it's harder to keep keep those habits going yeah but have you seen sorry just uh have you seen a movie it's a kids movie it's called inside out or outside i have yeah 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 yeah. great do you you remember unless i've completely misquoted it but Mm. is that do you remember the premise of it well yeah it's the emotion one right yeah where they had like there's this little girl and she lives and in her brain she has like happiness and sadness and anger and all that and that's right they personify her emotions Mm. with cartoons yeah it's fantastic Yeah. yeah and then the the happiness is really um really uptight and anxious and well, ironically but try, mm. trying to make sure that the girl whose emotions they control in her little brain is uh, as happy as possible all the time and when mm. she tries the more she tries the more she fails and you yes. remember what happens at the end or no i don't i've seen it for right. a long time what, what happens is that she finds that once the girl starts getting upset and more and more upset um she starts being able to get happy i mean there's more to it they say that there's like I don't know. There's some balls that move around. I don't know. There's there's some yeah. <laughs> some weird part. <laughs> this there's is a some, fantastic <laughs> story. Let's transition into yeah, movie. That, what that, summaries? <laughs> but the really good takeaway is that the girl or the emotion, the personified emotion living in the mind of this girl, realizes that sometimes anger and sadness need to take over for happiness to happen after. And I was like, man, that is so deep for a kids movie. It's mm. it's it was incredible. Yeah, I, I know I a lot of people that cried throughout that movie. Yeah, I was, was not one of them. No. Um, <laughs> But it, but it would have been okay because yeah. you would have moved past it and been happier. Yeah, so it's a common theme. Um, like you, you can't have light without dark. Mm. You know who's Batman without the Joker? You know. Yeah, and, sure. Um, Did you watch the Joker movie, by the way? Speaking no, of I, 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 watched, I, <laughs> I watched it. Italy. It was so good. We really are transitioning. <laughs> yeah, <to> movie <laughs> blocks. But Stephen, to take us back into mm. the study, what is your takeaway from the study? I mean, knowing that is this does this mm. inspire you to earn lots of money? What what is your philosophy on happiness? How do you how do you yeah. take take this result into your life? Well, that's a that's a really big question. I'm not sure I have a have the the right or the best answer. Right you know now. what? Maybe if you prepared, you would have. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's true. Um, look, my my philosophy is um to acknowledge when I'm feeling happy mm. and uh, try to relish those moments, yeah. um, acknowledge when I'm not feeling happy um, and also try to relish those moments and just uh, enjoy the, the little ride of, of being alive, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, the influence of money, I, um, I appreciate and acknowledge that, you know, when you have lots of money, you can kind of uh, buy yourself the the time to, to take on things that do make you happy. Mm. Um, you can also avoid, you know, events or people that make you unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a, it's a good little mechanism for, for changing your situation and managing circumstances. Mm. Um, I guess just an example of that would be like, if you're in a, in a job with a, a really horrible boss, for instance, and you don't have that, that wealth behind you, then you're going to stay in that job. Um, but yeah, someone wealthy could just, just, you know, what's next i don't care yeah Yeah. um yeah so look money money has its has its value Mm. um emotionally speaking um but that's not to say that it's everything and uh Mm. yeah 
manage manage your your internal processes more than your external processes and uh you know that that might uh, that might bring you wealth there you go yeah agreed Hmm. very very nice i I think the the idea that you know money buys happiness i think works depending on what you value because i think some people do value money and the opportunities that money brings and i think Mm. it can buy happiness but it depends what your values and your motives are for obtaining that money like if you're if you want to provide for a family or if you want to you know help uh, others like I, I think money can provide means to do that at scale so mm. and if those are the things that make you happy I, I can see how money fits into it and I, I can see why these results are the way I mean in saying that questioning the results in themselves because of the sample size and a lot of other factors but I guess the merit of them rely in that interesting fact on you know what is happiness and how does that relate at mm. scale so like identifying what makes you happy is is what will allow you to be that and whether it's something to achieve or not is like a massive discussion as to yeah whether I, yeah. I think it comes down to matching your behavior to your values mm. so i mean if you value family and friends um and you think that making money is how you're going to achieve that but you're spending all of your time trying to make that money mm. then you're actually you know not not behaving in line with your values um but if you found a way to to make the money without using up all your time, and you can actually buy that time to spend all that, that time with your friends and families, then then I suppose you've achieved that. So yeah, hundred percent. No, win it, the lottery. But then, <laughs> but then that that's been shown to um yeah you know, yeah. Not, what do, not what not have you heard of that happy. in terms of winning lotteries? I've I've heard that it's not always what people think it will be <laughs> it's true mm. i think i think because it, it attracts a lot of negative attention negative yeah. ramifications uh, but when i was in ireland by the way mm. um a guy won the lottery like really? the local lottery it was like two hundred thousand dollars did you, you know what him? he did no i oh, didn't because it was the day Irish. after i i found out he did the most irish thing he went to a pub yeah. and put the bar tab on himself <laughs> and invited did. everyone in the town there <laughs> and it was awesome and you know it. maybe that made everyone just a little <laughs> bit happier so i uh, would have made him happy yeah exactly so it's, it's just pretty he wouldn't cool. have remembered it. Yeah. Book. So I think the takeaway Great, message yeah. is, you know, find what makes you happy and do it. Yeah. Do, do you have a deeper it. takeaway? Are you burning to share your inner wisdom? No. You're I do. always very happy, Anna. I, I am happy. I mean, my I always, my happiness stems from perspective. It's just that mm. I know what I have is good and it hasn't been always earned like things Mm. and just like the where i am born and you know the opportunities given to me are by location and just Mm. pure luck and so as a result um i'm that perspective allows me to be happy and not only that it inspires me to take action and actually help others to be happier if possible and i mean it's 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 a cycle like when you help Mm. others to be happier it actually makes me happy because i see what they've achieved as a result and so like yeah it, it it's it depends on your philosophy it doesn't work for everyone but it depends on i think perspective is a big thing in trying to uh understand what happiness is for you so yeah yeah is that yeah. is that wise enough for you yeah that's wise enough ah, cool awesome nice, so. to know. <laughs> nice, nice to know happiness <laughs> is subjective if you mm. wouldn't you know think you'll never achieve it then you never will so. yeah that's true exactly I mean, you is know, it, what did the Beatles say? That sounded like nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't the Beatles say all you need is love? Or is that uh, Rolling Stones? Yeah, those are Beatles. Yeah. 
See, they didn't think happiness was important. They just yeah, they to tell me what I need. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> hey, did you watch that Beatles movie, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> it's called Yesterday. It's really good. I, I did Check actually it watch it. <laughs> it's good, right? Yeah. It's awesome, yeah. You only like it because the guy in it looks like you a little yeah. bit. <laughs> that is super <laughs> racist. <laughs> <laughs> it was, actually. All right. Um, but I'd say that we'll wrap up. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. <laughs> Before Steve gets carried away. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thank yeah. you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Uh, check out Yesterday, by the way. It's a great movie. <laughs> Thanks for the lift, Jordan. <laughs> yeah.